You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Thanks so much for finding us, whether you're listening or watching on YouTube. We very much appreciate it. Uh, We hope you like what you hear. And if you do, make sure you subscribe. It's okay. I'll remind you to do it again later. Uh, But Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, uh, YouTube, wherever it is you're watching or listening, make sure that you are subscribed for all of the latest content. Today on this here edition of the show, we are going to talk NFL Combine. Logan has finally made it back. Uh, I was, I've was i been back since last Friday, uh, obviously made the trip. Logan Logan was supposed to get back nice and early yesterday, Monday, as we record this. Uh, had some had some flight issues, bro. Correct. Not a yeah. good time. Yeah, they had to fix the plane. And it was always it's a little disconcerting when you see the mechanic like on the tarmac, like undrilling the panel on the engine. You're like, huh, hopefully that goes well. So did we made it back? <laughs> good for him. <laughs> yeah, good job. Good job. Mechan- it's, it, that is the funny thing about flight delays, not to get on too much of a tangent here, but like, you're like, ah, this sucks, but it's probably better than the alternative, <laughs> which is just going through with this faulty plane. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, my my only flight issue coming back was we didn't have a gate and then we didn't have a jetway operator, which now I chuckle at because uh, that happened to us when we flew to England. But in, in England, they don't call them jetways. They call them jetties. And so now oh. in my head, I'm just like, oh, we're, wait, we're waiting for the jetty operator. <laughs> There's that accent uh, again. But that's uh, apropos of nothing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we were both at the Combine. We're going to talk about some of the high-level stuff, that kind of our takeaways as we, we left, conversations that we had, et cetera. And then we're going to do a deeper dive on the two main position groups that have been linked to the commanders at 16. Offensive line, corner. I thought there's some really interesting stuff that happened, uh, specifically at corner. Logan obviously watched every single drill, every single guy uh, in person because he was still there for the workout portion of the Combine. But Logan, let's just start. Like You get there, you see some old buddies, uh, guys from around the league, what are the conversations like that you're having uh, over the, the course of the past week? Well, you know, it's interesting. And I think this is something that is always a good reminder is just how people are when they're talking about the draft, like how they're distributing information. You know what I mean? So it's like if they're telling you something, like what is their motivation for telling you something? Like, do they really feel this way or are they kind of trying to, to change a narrative? The other thing is like, you know, I've got some really good friends that are very honest with me. And the other thing that is always kind of interesting in those conversations is all of the personal information about the prospects that the public isn't necessarily privy to that, you know, PFF, all these mock drafty kind of draft companies are not privy to. And it's amazing to me, the stuff that these schools are able to keep quiet about some of these guys, not that it's bad, but it's just like kind of these little personality quirks or, you know, somebody's bipolar, somebody's taking medication for whatever. And you're just like, holy cow, you know, that, and that, that is something that really impacts the draft process. So, you know, on, you know, when the draft rolls around, you say, oh, why isn't so-and-so getting drafted? Like, there's a huge portion of information that we as a public are not privy to that these teams are super, super dialed in on. So th- those conversations are always interesting, um, what what people are giving you and also um, kind of their motivation for giving it to you. Yeah, no, that stuff is always super interesting. And and that's when teams have to be realistic with themselves. Like if someone's got something that they're dealing with, but they know how to deal with it and, you know, with the proper support, like they're going to be the guy that we see on saw on the field on Saturdays on Sundays, then that's on the team. But if the team is like, Oh, I don't know if we can handle that. Um, that's, that's their loss and says something about you as an organization and the infrastructure you have in place, the human infrastructure as well, in terms of support systems, all that kind of stuff. Um, your sports psychologist, your, you know, your medical team, whatever. But, um, yeah, no, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and like you said, it's not always incidents, um, you know, like, oh, that this guy got in a bar fight or this guy did this thing or that yeah. thing. It's like, oh, yeah, he's 
he's a little difficult to coach yeah. or he's, you know, you got to make sure he's motivated in, in this he, like, way. Standoffish in the meeting, even stuff like yeah. that, it shows up. And then you kind of say, well, why is he being standoffish? Do we need to follow up? And, um, you know, it just, it's, it's just really interesting. I think, you know, the stuff that comes out and, you know, the stuff that, you know, like his coach said this about him or, you know, there was this thing that happened in college and we don't think it's a big deal. We don't think it's the, the, the term they use. We don't think it's fatal. Right. Fatal being that like he's not he's not a draftable prospect now, but there's yeah, always comes off the board. Yeah. Someone's got a little bit of baggage. Like I remember talking about a couple of prospects and uh, this gentleman was like, oh, yeah, he's a he's an absolute psychopath. And like that has never come out about anything. You know what I mean? So it's just and I'm not going to tell anybody about these kids because that's not my place to tell them. But. It is interesting in terms of like your evaluation and like you're like, oh, I'm super high on this guy. And they're like, I wouldn't be. And it's not because of the tape. It's not because of the workout. It's because of, you know, the interview process and the stuff that they've turned up in the investigation. So that's always super interesting. Um, and the other thing I want to bring up, it's also really interesting, like guys that are really forthcoming with me kind of year round are all of a sudden starting to become a little bit more guarded. And I think that's another thing about this time of year and, and you know, why it's important to keep that information close and again, it, it kind of feeds into that narrative of why is person X telling me when person Y is being so guarded? Are they trying to get me to report something? Are they trying to get me to um, tell the commanders about that or whatever it is? You know what I mean? So it's always a really interesting time in terms of navigating those contacts and and what's real information. I think it's all real information, but I guess like what is the the motivation, the genesis for for that distribution of information? Welcome to my world, pal. I know it's tough. That's that's I mean, it's funny because I've had this conversation with multiple people and now I've kind of brought it to the air as well on the radio show about the ownership situation of like no reporter is reporting stuff they've made up. Right. The question is, can the reporter suss out why person X is telling them thing Y and whether it's actually worthy of reporting or is it worth just sticking in your back pocket is like oh, they're trying to spin me because they're trying to increase or decrease the price. They're trying to, you know, get the NFL to apply pressure because if we this thing becomes public, then they'll shove Dan along and, you know, maybe he's being stubborn about this one particular thing or whatever. It, it's happening from both sides. And so that motivation, especially, and, and it's funny because I've actually made the comparison too to this time of year for free agency in the draft. Like we've entered silly season. Yeah, um, we've entered this time of year. And the same thing is true with the sale. We're like, because it's close, because we are now at crunch time, people are trying to push their narrative in that last little bit of tug of war uh, before we get to the actual conclusion, the resolution of whether it's drafting, whether it's a signing of a player, whether it's uh, obviously the sale of the team. And thus, you've got a lot of powerful people in the ears of a lot of reporters. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what they can get out to, to help their side. Um, speaking of the conversations I had at the Combine typically were one of two things. Uh, and a lot of mine were more of like media folks than mm -hmm. uh, talking to sure. some NFL folks, which I, I certainly had some of those conversations. But talking to a lot of media folks, one was were questions about the sale. And, mm -hmm. and obviously, as that continues to go, we will cover it here on the podcast, but also ongoing coverage on the Hoffman show. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to my channel on YouTube as well at Craig Hoffman if you're not uh, to get some of that. And of course, on the radio uh, three to six every day. But it was that or the other one was are they really going with sam howell <laughs> yeah and i got it was that funny a lot because yeah. for some people that was a very exciting thing yeah they're like wow i can't believe they're actually going with Howell. like i love that i think he's going to be awesome and some people are like are you serious he's a fifth round pick and and when you frame it this way it does seem kind of nuts rivera's in a win now situation like he's got to win this year and he is going with a guy who's thrown 19 NFL passes and was a fifth round pick. And I realize that we can dive into the caveats of, you know, well, he should have been drafted higher. A lot of people had a higher grade. You know, he's super talented. They do have a year on him to like understand who he is on some level. They like what they saw, like all those things. But at the end of the day, in a year where Ron Rivera's got to probably make the playoffs and maybe even win a playoff game. He is relying on Sam Howell. And once you kind of get out of the commander's media bubble, where we've all just accepted that that's what it is, people, the disbelief that I was met with when I was catching up with, with old friends and colleagues was, was pretty hysterically funny. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because, like, you know, go, you go around and that Sam Howell does come up quite a bit. You know, they know I work for the commanders and they're like, oh. And when you talk to scouts, they're like, oh, man, I loved him. You know what I mean? I had a second-round yeah. grade on him. I had a first-round grade on him. So, obviously, there are people around the league 
they really like what he did and think that he's going to be a productive player. Uh, I do think that it's important to acknowledge that the team is, they're going to look at other quarterbacks, you know, like on the day that the quarterbacks were at the draft, like, you know, where the media section was, it had just happened to be right below where the commanders were their boxes and all the coaches are in there and they're looking at quarterbacks, you know, and I think that's just a good process obviously, but it's, it's also saying like, you know, Sam is going to have a chance to win the starting quarterback, but we are going to look, at all of our options. You better believe they're going to kick the tires on some of these free agents. I know we talked about they're probably not in the market for those Jimmy Garoppolo's, Derek Carr type guys, but they're going to kick the market right. on a good free agent quarterback. If one of these quarterbacks that they like falls to them at 16, I'm sure they would consider it. I'm not saying they're going to draft a quarterback or anything like that, but just because of good process, good sound process, they're, they're going to exhaust all options here. You know what I mean? Um, and like, we'll talk about the quarterbacks maybe tomorrow or at some point, but um, you know, Thursday, whenever the next show comes out. But, you know, I do think it, there is a conversation to be had there about this class. And again, I'm not, I just, so no one missed, hears me. I'm not saying they're going to draft a quarterback, but they're definitely looking at the quarterbacks and completing an evaluation on the quarterbacks so they can make the best decision for the team this upcoming season. Totally. And uh, we had a, a nice, cute conversation on the radio show last week about what should they do if Anthony Richardson falls to 16? All right. No way that dude's going to 16 uh, where, yeah. where they are right now. Which I now, think is, now the bigger question is like, would they consider trading up if he fell to like 10? Which I think um, is a mistake though. I don't think he should go as high as he's going to go. Like I, you know, so everyone talks about the physical traits of him and like, he's a unicorn. Like there's never been a quarterback like him ever in the history of the NFL combine. Great. You know, huge hands, big kid. He was taller than they thought he was going to be. He was heavier than they thought it would be. He was faster. He jumped higher. Like it was literally like the bionic man. And I had a coach, I had a scout tell me, I think he should play tight end. And I said, Oh, you don't think he'd play quarterback? I said, his, he is so raw at the quarterback position. This was a scout. I forget who the scout was from a different team, but he was like, he is so raw that just take the athlete. If you, if you think he's that athletic upside, like that's what we're talking about here. He like, when you like, so everyone, has been watching, you know, NFL Network, watching ESPN. They've seen him throw that beautiful fade ball 60 yards in the air and it lands on a dime. For the rest of the those like routes on air, it was pretty hit or miss for him. He missed a couple yeah. slants, he missed a couple big outs. Like his big thing is he is 40 his his completion percentage was 47% last year. That's like historically bad. He can like barely like when you're evaluating Florida receivers, it's like is the ball even catchable? Like it's he, he does have things that get you excited. It's like having a player in Madden that is physically 100 and everything, but like awareness is like five or 10. And I'm not saying he's a dumb guy. I'm just saying he's playing one year of quarterback there. He does. He have upside. Absolutely. Do people compare him to Josh Allen all the time, but he has a lot of growing to do. And that's a, that's a big ticket, big price tag to be taking a guy in the top 15. Who's got a lot of growing to do. Um, I just was, I remembered Allen's completion percentage was real bad at Wyoming. Uh, so I went and looked it up. He was 56%. Uh, so, so, uh, much, much higher, uh, than Richardson. I don't know, man. I I'm kind of on board on the, the Richardson. So uh, I had a conversation trade. with somebody. I had a, I had a, so. I had a, I had a conversation with somebody. It's like, what's the most important thing about playing quarterback? How fast your 40 is? How high you can jump? It's how well you throw the football. And like, that is by far his worst thing. I mean, he can throw it far. Don't get me wrong. He's got a beaut like that ball flies out of his hand and you can see why people love it. But if he can't read a defense, if he can't be accurate, like isn't shouldn't that be weighed more at the quarterback position than how fast he's sure. running? But so, I think I think people get we'll we'll go into this deeper tomorrow yeah, later or whatever. Yeah, but, but like the the thing that I'll say about Richardson is this. His floor is really high and people miss that. Because the modern NFL where teams are less afraid than ever to run the quarterback and they will be especially not afraid to run him if he's 6'4", 240. Mm -hmm. Like, you see what Hurts does. You see what Lamar did. Like, you Fields. see Fields. Like, Daniel Justin Jones. Fields. Fields is probably the best comparison for him. Like, Cam came out and had a 4,000-yard season as a rookie. Like, Cam, Cam was much more polished as a passer, much better as a passer, much better as a prospect overall. Um, he's probably the closest thing athletically, and Richardson kind of blows him out of the water, yeah. which is nuts because Cam was a monster. <clears throat> but Fields, stylistically, is probably the guy that's closest, inconsistent as a passer at best, sometimes just flat-out poor, uh, doesn't really want to pass the ball, it seems like sometimes. He's just content to drop back if first read's not there, take off. But he how many times did the bears score 30 last year? Like that offense can work in the NFL and fields did it without 
any help. And so, yes, it's easy to see like, okay, if they could clean up his mechanics and and he's a smart guy and like can, can put the mental side of playing quarterback together because he's barely done. He just doesn't have the reps. Hmm. Like if you want to give him that version, fine. But he's also like, if I'm Atlanta, I'm taking him hmm. because their run offense is just going to get better. Like it was good last year. Imagine what it is with that dude. And they will bring him along as a passer in the way that few other teams probably would. It, it can be slow, but also effective from jump because he's such a threat as a runner. And I think that that is, that's what people miss when they look at a guy like Richardson, they look at a guy like Fields and like, oh man, if he can put it together, what about the ceiling? And they, what they don't realize, and Renner said this last week on the pod, I'll give yeah. him full credit for this, like is that the floor is really high because the value of the scramble and the value of a runner at the quarterback position is way higher than people ever gave it credit for. I totally agree with that. I do, but I just think like even Justin Fields was a more prolific passer, more efficient passer, more accurate passer in college, you sure. know? And so you like, I just, is the upside there? Like, absolutely. Is the upside as a runner there? Absolutely. Like, look at what Lamar has done in Baltimore. And Lamar was even, was more proficient than both those guys in the passing game. I just think you need a semblance just kind of a foundational football understanding, you know? And I think like, I'm, and I haven't talked to him. I'm just going based on what I've seen. He's still very green. He's still very raw. So my question is like, yes, he's a great runner, but like, can he learn? Can he develop into something that is worthy of a top 10 pick? And, you know, when you draft a quarterback in the top 10, like they're coming in to start. They're like the face of your organization. Look at the past 10, 15 quarterbacks that have been drafted in the top 10. Like they are iconic names in the draft. So I just look at that and I say like, does he have the, does he have the acumen to get that done? And I'm not sure that there's a definitive, I can't definitively say no, but I can't definitively say yes either. But if I was a gambling man and you know, I'm a conservative guy, I would be very, very leery of that. I know a lot of teams are probably going to be doing a lot of due diligence on this, but that's something I would kind of be like, Let's just pump the brakes on this. I know this is exciting. I'm excited about it. Shoot, when I was watching it, I was like, can you believe this guy? Like, holy cow. He's a, he's a physical freak. He looks like a giant on the field next to other big men. And so you're kind of like, yeah. he, he is one of one physically. But wh like, what are those traits that make quarterbacks elite? And do they, does it really matter that he's a physical freak? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah, no, I'm, you are, I'm on, you I'm are on a very risk averse football man. Yeah. That is, that is definitely your style, yeah. but um, I, you're, you're not wrong either. I, I just think and I, and I, I don't I, know. you bring up a great point. And th th this is something that I think will be interesting to keep an eye on as we get closer to the draft, because some, because something will come out a mock draft by Daniel Jeremiah, a mock draft by Mel Kuyper, and he will be either lower than people expect or higher than people expect. And that's because he's talked to NFL teams and they've given him their, their scoop that I was getting last week on different players around, you know what I'm saying? That. That'll be an interesting data point to watch over the next couple of months. <clears throat> yeah, no, those big guys who, who kind of mix with information and tape are, are definitely why their mock drafts are, are a little bit more intriguing. Uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, guys sure. like that, yeah. kind of the top the top guys at, at those big companies. They have a little bit more information than uh, plenty of guys who do a great job breaking down the tape but don't necessarily have that that kind of background. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the one thing I'll say with, Richardson is he doesn't have a lot of reps either. And like that obviously makes it hard to evaluate, but like what happens when he gets them? And I think that's, that's ultimately the question that teams are trying to answer. Um, and we can obviously talk more about that and what that looks like. And, and also like, where are the fixes? What, what are the reps yeah. uh, going to improve? Because there's some stuff that it won't like, it's just who he is. And there's some stuff that it might, um, on the acumen side, I will say I watched the it, look, it's a made for TV segment made to make the kid look good. It's produced by NFL network. Uh, but he sits down at a whiteboard with Steve Mariucci and it's like uh, call my play. Mm. And so it's a little bit of a mock interview, but you know, Mooch gives him a play. He's like, this is what we called it. And he's like, ah, oh, this it, slot guy, you know, you know who he was for me. It was Jerry Rice. You mm. heard of Jerry Rice. It's like, yeah, I've heard of Jerry Rice. Um, and so. But he he looked he did a great job with it. Now yeah. is it basic stuff? But like he didn't you know it was West Coast terminology. Yeah, yeah. Never done West Coast before. So like you're like okay, there's he seems pretty put together. Um, it's yeah. just he hasn't done it a lot. I mean that's what um, people and, were saying about Trey Lance too. You know, and it's and yeah. I'm not Trey Lance has been hurt. There's been a lot of things that have have slowed his growth. But it, when they don't have that quarterbacks, especially it's such a mental position. When they don't have yeah. that piece. It, it makes me very leery and. Um, and I, you know, shoot, I would be super excited, you know, in that kind of mid first, late first round area. But I think, I think he, because of this, 
his value is going to be bumped up to kind of kind of like uh, kind of like uh, Walker was last year. You know, he tested really well at the combine. He was kind of like a 16 to 20 pick the defensive end for Jacksonville now. Oh, Trayvon and Walker. Trayvon yeah, Walker. Yeah. And, uh, and then he did go to the combine and he got overdrafted. And I think that's kind of what you're going to run into here a little bit. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Take a minute podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Uh, we'll do more on the quarterback position overall tomorrow, but let's get into offensive line. Sure. Um, really interesting group. Uh, we came in kind of thinking there were three tier one players. Like, hmm. and I don't know what, and I, I'm using tier one as a generic term here. Yeah. Uh, not as like, a, hey, I put grades on them. Sure. And there's a, a line at, 92 and that's that's when we drop off from tier one to tier two but there's a group of three that were all kind of equal at the top and then there's another group down that's got somewhere between you know three and eight names in it let's say sure um wh where are we after this combine and, and how confident are you that one of those top three are going to be, be available for washington at 16. yeah so i think let's just talk about the top three so paris johnson came in and he didn't run a 40 but he did all the field work and he measured and so he measured it basically six, seven. So six, six and three eights, 218 Ooh. pounds. He had 36 inch arms, which is three, like 318, not 218, 318. Excuse me. Yeah. And he had 36 and a quarter inch arms, which is insanely long. Like Dewan Jones has the longest arms ever measured at the combine. I think there were 36 and a half, you know, so he's like shorter, longer arms. He's twitchy, like a twitchy athlete on the field moving around. He strains a little harder than I'd like, but he's young. He's like 21, just turned 21. So I, to me, it's like, he's the guy like you don't like tackles like that. Don't come along every year from a physical standpoint. Is his film raw? Yeah. He played guard last year. This is his first year playing left tackle. But you know, if you're taking a swing at a guy in the top 10, like that's the guy. So I don't think he's going to be around, honestly. Um, he'll be, he'll be gone. Like Atlanta, if they don't take uh, Robinson, Tennessee, you know what I mean? Like one of those teams will take a swing on him. Uh, Skaronski is the guy from Northwestern who, I don't know. I was a little disappointed with his performance. Like everyone was telling me he was this tremendous athlete. He jumped well, 34 inches. I think he had like a nine or 10, one broad, which is good for an old lineman and had like a five, one forty field drills. He was a little stiffer than I thought he'd be. Um, so a little disappointed. I think he's probably like in my mind, a guard now. So I think he probably slides a little bit. And I think he's probably there for Washington at 16. Or there's an opportunity potentially. You know, I know Mike Renner mentioned him last week when we talked to him. And I think that's probably more likely now than it was before. Now, his tape is impeccable. He has one of the most flawless sets I've ever seen. His hand placement's excellent. His anchor's excellent. So it's kind of like... Playing, he's playing left tackle. Playing right? left tackle. He's playing could, left tackle. He, could he potentially slide over to right tackle, at least for a year, and then pop over to left, you know, if Leno, you move on from Leno yeah, after he's, next he's, year? Yeah, he strikes me as a guy who can kind of do a little bit of everything. Like, they brought him in to play center. He played guard. He played tackle. Um, I will say his they do pass sets right and left. His stuff on the right didn't look as crisp as his stuff on the left, but think about it. He's taken, you know, yeah, 5,000 pass sets on the left. So, he, I like his film a lot, so I'm willing to kind of like push some of the athletic. And they're not, they're not even that they're concerns. I just thought he was going to be like a hyper athlete. I thought he was going to be like a sub five guy. Thought you know the vertical matches up. Thought the broad was going to be, good. and I thought the field work was going to be awesome. But he was a little stiffer than I would have liked. So 
take that for what it's worth. Um, but I think 16 was good value for him. Broderick Jones is the other guy from Georgia. And I've not been super high on him. I think uh, the NFL is kind of it with me on this. I think he's probably the best athlete of the group. I think he ran the fastest 40 or one of the fastest 40, like four, nine, eight, something like that. Um, he measured in taller. He was six, five and a half. And he was listed at six, three in college. And he came in at like just over 300 pounds. He ran well, stiff in the drill work. Um, and I think as a result, I would kind of bump him down. The other thing about his film that really bothers me, and this is something important for fans listening, is pass protection is the thing you're drafting that guy for. As much as people want to say he's not a great run blocker. Like, so Broderick Jones is excellent in the run game. His pass protection stuff is a little bit up and down. Partially because he's a little bit high-waisted when he pass sets, and he has a hard time kind of anchoring. You know, like, you can visualize that, right, Craig? Someone who kind of is a little bit mushy yeah. in the middle and not great with his angles. Again, only played 19 games in his whole career. So you kind of yeah. say, well, there's a high upside play there. I think he's, I would push him down, but if you're betting on potential and betting on upside, then you probably flip Skaronsky and him at 16, just to give you an idea of what's going on there. Um, and then you mentioned that next tier of guys, that's like uh, Darnell Wright from Tennessee, who quite frankly looked excellent, like looked very twitchy. He was big. Um, you know, he just looks smooth in all the movement drills. They do like a wave drill where they point and direct the offensive lineman. And he just was gliding everywhere, backpedaling like a DB. And you're just like, Awesome. But the guy in that second group who probably helped himself the most is Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. And mm -hmm. he's like a basketball hyper athlete and talk about an excellent pass protector and a terrible run blocker. Like that's exactly what he is. He's like, <laughs> he's a, he's a puppy needs to grow into his body a little bit. Um, but he's got the pass pro down and he's a guy that can play left athletically. So naturally he's going to bump up a little bit. And he's the type of guy that when you, you, you mentioned him to a bunch of scouts, they all, their eyes all kind of light up and there's like a little bit because the upside's there. There's like an elite athleticism there, an elite understanding of pass pro that gets scouts and gets coaches excited. So I think a lot of people in mock drafts, you're not going to see a name like that at 16. I think that's still a little high for him. I think that's high for Darnell Wright as well. But if you're going to trade back out of that group, like kind of in that 18 to 25 area, I would not be surprised to see either one of those guys go. So if, if that makes sense. No, that's, that's good insight. And it's interesting. Like, you know, fans are starting to do like the, the draft Nick fans yeah. uh, are starting to do a lot of their own, like, you know, check out my mock draft. And I'm yeah. like, how are you drafting guys seven rounds deep? How, yeah. Got, it's crazy. Y'all got work to do. Um, but you know, <laughs> if you watch a lot of college football and like you read a lot of stuff, like you can, you can know, I mean, it, it's interesting too. Cause like at this point, I'm like, I don't watch a ton of college football, but I know a lot of these names, yeah. um, you know, guys that, that are getting looked at in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, uh, for Washington. But, um, I've seen a lot of people mocking trades for Washington at 16 yeah. and Mayhew talked about it a little bit last week. Um, he's like, you know, for value purposes, what you find is when you trade up, like you better be right uh -huh. because you're obviously moving up for a guy that, you know, that yeah. you're higher on than everybody else. And so if you're right, like, sure, it can work out. But like from a value sense, trading back tends to be a lot more successful of a plan. And I think for Washington, especially getting or not having that their their natural third round selection because of the Wentz trade, that's they would love to recoup yeah. that. Um, they have a third round selection, but it's basically a fourth. Like it's an early fourth. Um, because it's a compensatory pick at the end of the round um, that comes from the Brandon Sheriff uh, contract signing in Jacksonville. So I think that for them, a trade, especially if those three guys are gone, a trade back into the 1825, take your guy uh, out of the next group, like makes a lot of sense because the way this draft could fall um, there's going to be some potential guys available that don't like, there's going to be some edge guys, for instance, that might fall into that range. Let's say like miles Murphy starts falling into that range. There's yeah. going to be another team that wants miles Murphy and the commanders should not draft miles Murphy. Correct. You already are overloaded at that position. Um, now would that make it easier to trade sweat or young? Sure. And if you want to make that argument, like, I guess I'll hear it, but like, let's say miles Murphy or Tyree Wilson, who I've seen mocked as high as three, but like, let's say one of those those guys that's not Will Anderson starts to fall because all the alignment and all the corners start to go and there's a run on those positions. Well, now all the guys the commanders wanted if, are, are off the board and you're sitting there going, we're a little rich for the guys that we really want, but yeah. someone else wants whatever. 
So I, I think that that's, that's really possible. Well, another thing I wanted to bring up here, yeah. then you kind of alluded to this is like, how do you tier your draft? And what I mean by that is like, what are your buckets of players? Right? So like, right. let's say, let's say, for example, like for me, just after the combine, and again, I got to go back and watch some film and kind of continue my evaluation, talk to people, whatever. So right now it's like Paris Johnson, maybe Skaronsky are in the same bucket, right? So if you have an opportunity to like get one of those guys, great. But then you get to your second bucket, which is some guys we just talked about. It's, you know, the Broderick Joneses, the Anto Antonio Harrison, um, Darnell Wright, uh, Dewan Jones from Ohio State, the big guy that everyone's been talking about. They're kind of all in the same bucket. So if it's 16, you can pick four of those guys. Technically, you could probably trade like six or seven spots back and be relatively confident you're going right. to get one of the guys from that bucket, even if there's a run on tackles, right? Which is kind of what they did last year with Jahan Dotson. Like, you know, there was a lot of good information saying they liked Chris Olave. But if you have Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson in the same bucket, right? And mm -hmm. you know that, you know, that there's probably three or four other receivers you like there. You trade back and you can still get someone from the same bucket, then it works out fine. So that's kind of what you're, what you're talking about, right? Like trade back, get into the right bucket, get into the right guys you want to talk about. And then, and that, that applies to positions across the board. So we're talking about offensive line here, but the NFL team will bucket, you know, like in that first bucket, let's say Paris Johnson and, you know, Christian Gonzalez is a corner. They're in the same bucket. Right. So like, if I'm trading back, I want to make sure I can get one of those two first bucket players, right. As, and then second bucket, third bucket, all the way down. And as you go, obviously the bait, the buckets get bigger and bigger because more people fall into the fourth bucket as opposed to the first bucket, right. Cause those are the the big time right. kind of game changing players. So I think that's kind of what to think about is that in that second bucket, there's probably, I mean, there's four tackles we just mentioned. There's, uh, I would put Matthew Bergeron in that same bucket. So there's five guys in that second bucket that you feel for tackle specifically that you feel mm -hmm. pretty good about. Right. And I think, um, you know, I would put uh, Jalen, um, uh, the kid from Maryland, I forget his last name, uh, Jalen Duncan in a, in a third yep. bucket, but like that's a five guy bucket right there for, for just tackle that you're saying, as long right. as we can and hit one of those guys at 48 or if we trade back, then you feel good about it. Right. Um, are there any guards that go in that same bucket or is guard two un not quite as valuable as tackle and thus doesn't qualify for those top two buckets? Yeah. So I think I think there is there would be a couple guards potentially in there depending on who you talk to. So um, obviously there's the big fella from Florida, uh, Osiris Torrance, who when you watch his film, he's not hitting a lot of home runs. And what I mean by that, it's like not a lot of knockdowns. The pass pro is a little bit messy, but he just wins reps. Like he just is in the good position. You know, he went against uh, the number, the guy from um, Georgia, Jalen Carter, and kind of mm -hmm. just locked him down. And so you say he, it wasn't always pretty. It was kind of messy. He's falling down sometimes, but he's consistently winning pass protection reps and in the run game. And so I don't know if I'd put him in that tier two, and again, this is where you get weird with positional value. Like tackles are inherently more valuable than guards, right? So I think he's going to, I think Torrance is going to slide down. I think he's still a good football player, right? In that same kind of guard bucket. So whether that's two for you or three because it's guard and positional value, we talked about that with Mike Renner a little bit the other day. Um, there's Steve Avili from TCU, who's excellent. He moves very mm -hmm. nicely, had an excellent field session. Cody Mock has been very, very impressive. And a guy that I'll just throw in there because I watched his film a little bit and he was excellent on the field is LSU guard, Anthony Buford. Now, no one's talking about him in that, in, in the third bucket or that second bucket for guards for, but me, um, I think there's some off the field stuff going on there. And that's probably why you're in that situation. But again, there's four guys right there that you're like, Oh, okay. And then the, there's centers in there too. There's Schultz, there's Tippmann, there's, um, Whipler from Ohio state. They're all probably in that same bucket. So think about it. that's like 10 guys. You'd feel yeah. good probably. And I think if you're Washington, you say there's five tackles in bucket two, there's four guards, maybe five guards and three centers. There's 15, there's, what is that? Four, four, there's 10 guys. There's a pretty good likelihood one of those guys will be there at 48. And so you feel pretty good about that, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, which obviously affects your decision-making at 16. It, def it affects whether or not you trade back in the first round. Um, the one thing I'll say to wrap up this section real quick, though, is like going back to Skaronsky, if a, a field drill where it's like two reps of a drill yeah. is going to make him drop when every other indicator says he's the guy that is on tape 
sign me up for that every day of the week. Like, because we are dealing with incredibly small sample sizes at the combine. Sure. And then, by the way, it goes for the athletic testing as well. Like, you you stutter, stutter on one step of the 40 and you lose a tenth of a second. That's the difference between, you know, four nine five five zero for an offensive lineman. And we're talking about one of the best versus like, ah, he's just an average athlete. Like the margins are very, very small and they can mm -hmm. be caused by a lot of different things. You know, uh, obviously it didn't really affect his final time that much, but Anthony Richardson probably could have broken four, four, if he had just run in a straight right. line, yeah. like he, he ran four, four, three running a, a little, a, like a, a little mini S. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's things like that, that, by the way, teams look at this stuff because they actually watch tape of all the drills and they they want to see. Uh, you, you guys did a great job on Command Center with my guy, Chris Gores, uh, who was obviously on the pod with us last week, breaking down some of, of what to look for. But like teams actually watch the tape of how guys get in and out of cuts, whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you see it on film, like who knows? Like they're sleeping in hotel beds. Maybe yeah. maybe the guy, uh, Skaronsky had a bad bed and slept wrong on his hip and that's why he was tight. I'd, I'd much rather rely on the tape. Like, obviously, you you want everything to match up, yeah. um, and we'll see yeah. how he moves at his pro day. But, like, one thing is a inherently – or two reps of a drill is a very small sample size. And I understand that it's a, an important part. I'm not even trying to undersell it. It's an important part of the evaluation because everyone's on the same field, theoretically, the same yeah. playing field, uh, or literally they are on it, but theoretically they are, they are on equal footing. Um and thus, when when a guy falls based off of one small thing and the tape is like, no, he's pretty good. And like that wasn't an issue before. Um, I would say probably more often than not, that's going to work out. And and if Peter Skaronsky is available at 16, I think Commanders fans will be very happy. And I think that their happiness will be uh, validated for years to come. I, I think that's absolutely right. And, I, and like so when I say that he wasn't. So I, I guess what, I, what I'm saying with that is the film's good, but he's undersized. So you're hoping mm -hmm. that he comes out and looks like electric, just not even electric, just looks smooth. And so when it doesn't, you're kind of like, is he, can he, can, does he have the athletic traits to be uh, Rashawn Slater? Cause essentially mm -hmm. their measurements are very similar. And Rashawn Slater was like a four, eight guy, you know, I think he was like a 37, you know, like he did a lot of really dynamic explosive things. The field work was like buttery smooth. And you're just kind of hoping for something like that. But to your point, I think another guy to talk about is break, break Blake Freeland from BYU. He's 6'7", he's 315 pounds, I think, and he like crushed the combine. He had a 37-inch vertical, he broke the record for offensive linemen, he ran a 4'9", he did all these things that were physically very good, right? Fieldwork was a little bit choppy, but the, the explosive stuff was there. But then when you watch the film, and you watch him at the Senior Bowl, you kind of realize that he's going to have a hard time in pass protection at the next level because he just doesn't have that kind of, that play strength to sink his hips and anchor versus good bull rushers. So, in terms of I'm not saying take, you know, take Blake Freeland over Skaronsky. I'm saying if I, I'm just not as confident, like I was super confident in the tape of Skaronsky. And now just because the athletic measurements don't, they're close, but they're not quite there. I think he's probably a guard, which again, depreciates value. Right. And I think he's going to be an excellent guard. And this, this organization's had a lot of success drafting tackles with guards, you know, Brandon Sheriff being exhibit a, I think he's that kind of player. So at 16, if he's there, I think you're ecstatic, but, Prior to the draft, prior to the combine, I didn't think he was going to get down here. Now I think there's a world where that could happen. We, you know, more reasonably happen, I guess is what I'm saying. And it's not to say he's a bad player. I just want to make that perfectly clear. Yeah, uh, I think the mock draft stuff is going to be really interesting on him in the next couple of weeks. Like I did, I did a prediction yesterday of like the ten players I think are going to go top ten. Um, I, and I put. I actually did 11 because I said, if Jalen Carter and this thing plays out in a way that's bad, like obviously he drops out. And if he does, then I think Miles Murphy will take his, you know, his spot in the top 10. It was obviously not in the same exact draft position, yeah. but that was my, my bonus guy. Um, but Skaronsky was on it. Um, yeah. And, and I, and just, I think that's I think, reasonable. Yeah. Um, I might wind up missing that one. It might be Paris Johnson, but um, you know, it, we'll see. And, so and between think, the, between the two, just, just based on the combine and based in the film too, Paris yeah. Johnson's one of those guys that's just got, He's got that skyscraper upside, you know, because yeah. of the physical traits. And as much as we don't want to say it, like there are good times to bet on traits. And like, if you look historically, like offensive linemen with longer arms tend to play a little bit better. If they're, you know, six, six plus, they tend to be a little bit better. You know, if they run what, you know what I'm saying? Like it just, you're just yeah. playing percentages. And I, so I, I think there's a chance he slips out. I think it's a better chance now than before, but I still think yeah. he's a heck of a football player. 
Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is like, as, as the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShays and the Dane Bruglers and Daniel Jeremiah's talk to teams, especially in the top 10. And they're like, yeah, we actually really like Skaronsky. Like yeah. don't let the combine fool you. Then like, if he's still mocked in the top 10, well, I, I, I kind of feel like we'll know that answer of whether he'll be a top 10 pick or not before draft night, um, or whether or not he's fallen. If he's all over the place and mocks it, you know, I think there's, there's obviously a better chance. Yeah. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. As for cornerback uh, here on the Take Command podcast, I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Um, Christian Gonzalez demolished the combine. Demolished. Um, demolished. Yeah, I know he was training training uh with our guys down at exos guys and gals down at exos uh and they they were really excited to see him perform and sure enough rewarded uh with with their hard work there i mean he re- jumped 40 and a half i think he ran 438 um he's broad was huge too he's a was massive, like 11 man. 11 plus did you see him walking Ma- around by any chance um i don't think so dude like, i feel like he was taller than i was and he's like broad shouldered and like big backed and you're just like you are a huge person you know for being able to yeah. move that way and play db and you know it's like he, it's, he's 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 one of those guys where you watch the combine kind of like paris johnson or dewan jones that just like physically you're just like oh like you're like just a different or like the defensive tackle from northwestern who ran that uh four five at 280 pounds you're just yeah. like oh you're just built like genetically different than everybody else right. here in a, in a, in a room, we are not the same in a room in a building full of genetic freaks like you're just that much freakier. Right. And which is why now I've got Gonzalez. Like he was a guy that was mocked 16 a lot. He ain't, he ain't going to be there. No way. no way. Now the good news is that might knock Devin Witherspoon down. And then, and if you like Devin Witherspoon, uh, then cool. I don't think he necessarily fits here as well because he is a monster man corner. Um, and he does, he does both. I mean, but yeah, yeah he's more man, like, but he does both. Yeah. Press man is where he's elite elite. Yeah. Um, as opposed to Gonzalez, who's a little more well-rounded, um, and Witherspoon, like I'm sure, will still be a good zone corner. But like in, in this system, you're not playing to his incredible strength. Sure. His, his superpower is is undercut. But point is, like Gonzalez stole the show. A lot of other guys performed really well. It was a really fast group. But I do yeah. think that a lot of folks might have had their the top of their board change where Witherspoon was CB one for I think most people. Um, from what I could see on mocks and big boards and yeah. talking to people. And it seems like Gonzalez has, has planted himself uh, in that spot now. I mean, that's probably true, but I don't know if that's entirely fair just because, you know, Witherspoon hasn't tested yet. Like, what if he comes? He's not going to be as freaky as Gonzalez because Gonzalez is, I think he's like record breaking freaky in terms of 
across the board. You know, people have run faster 40s. They've jumped higher. They've had a better broad jump. But when you aggregate those three numbers together, I think he might be the best of all time. So <clears throat> so obviously he's not going to test better, but Witherspoon's tape, and you know, I think it's this is part of it. It's like, which would you rather? Like Witherspoon's tape is so fun to watch because of the mentality that he brings. He brings like it's such a dog mentality. Like, like he's he's challenging people, he's a physical tackler, like he's just that dude on film. And I like football players like that. And Christian Gonzalez is a good football player. He's like physically, it looks easy for him. Like he never gets out of phase with a receiver. He's always in good position. Like he never gets beat badly. Like, you know what I'm saying? And like, to me, I love that. Like when you compare him to Keely Ringo, like they're essentially the same measurements. Like Gonzalez has that field work and that hip turn that makes him an elite defensive back. So um I think I think it's not necessarily fair, but I totally understand why that's happening. I, I 1,000% get why Christian Gonzalez is, is at the front of the line because his film's good. His athletic measurables are – his film's, like, better than good. It's good plus. It's not elite like Witherspoon's is, but it's really, really good. And his athletic measurables are really, really good. And so when you say upside at the NFL level, like, that's the guy. And I totally understand that. And I, and I would probably flip them too on my mock draft, but I just think it's important for fans to remember – if Witherspoon happens to fall to us at 16, you faint because I think he's that good of a football player. Now, the question is, I had a conversation with somebody. Did we talk about this on our podca- podcast with Mike? Probably I, not. I don't, we, we I do don't talk know. It depends, depends on what you're about to say. We do talk a lot. So to be fair, we do talk but, a lot. But I was talking to somebody, um, an analytics guy for the Bears, maybe. And he was saying, I would not draft a corner at 16 if I was Washington. And I was like, that's weird. What if you really like Witherspoon or Gonzalez? And he kind of went back to the tier thing. He's like, well, if it's tier B, you know, tier A, then, and they're both in tier A and he's at 16, then draft him. But if Witherspoon is in tier B, for example, and you have 12 other corners in tier B, is the value there for you to take him at 16 when mm. you could trade back? And I think that's a fantastic point because this is a an insanely deep quarterback class, cornerback class, excuse me. Like there's the kid from Maryland, um, Deontay Banks is 6'2". 205 and he ran a 4340. Like his film is not quite as good as Christian Gonzalez, but physically it's there for him, right? And it's just like saying, like, you know, Sam Smith from South Carolina. It's there, there's so many guys. Uh Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. There's there's a million guys we could talk about in the cornerback position that are good football players. So again, it kind of supports that. If they're not in that first tier for you, which I would imagine Witherspoon is, I'd imagine Skaronsky is then trade back at 16 and add value with by getting another draft pick and one of these other guys you don't think that is that different from uh, the player being selected. So for you right now, understanding Witherspoon's got a test at his pro day and you're still watching the tape, yada, yada, yada. But as we tape this yep. at almost 11 a.m. on March 7th, uh, <laughs> Gonzalez, tier one? I think so. I, I, would, I would put him tier one. His film is really good. I would, I, yeah, I'd say tier one. I would have him as a tier one corner. So if he were to fall to sixteen, based on my tier system, it. it's it. And I and I put Skaronsky in there too as like a tier one player in this year's draft. Now that doesn't mean a yeah. tier one of all time, but if this year's draft, if they both fall to sixteen, I, there's still a lot of evaluation to go. We're gonna have a conversation between drafting Skaronsky at sixteen and drafting Witherspoon because they're both I tier would take one. Skaronsky, if that was the case, just off position. I I think off positional value, need bigger. Right? Obviously. Uh, this changes dramatically in two weeks when free agency opens Correct, um, and or when they make a move in free agency. So we'll know more then. But uh, as of today, I think O-line is a significantly bigger need than corner. Um, they, they're not dead at corner if they have to start the season right. what they have. Um, they're, they're thin, but, and they can definitely improve, but they're dead at O-line because they don't, they don't have an O-line right now. Um, all right. So let's see how many tier two guys, uh, let me know when I hit the, uh, oh my God, hit the so line many. for you. I've just got, I've got ESPN's best available list up. So okay. I'm just going to go down Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi state, uh, Joey Porter, jr. Deontay banks, Keely Ringo, Cam Smith. Keely Clark Ringo's not Phillip. in there for me, but, uh, but, okay. but he's in, but like, that's one outlier. All these guys, Clark okay. Phillips, keep going. Uh, Julius Brents, Kansas state. He, so I like him a lot. I do like he's okay. he's he's rounded a corner for me. I don't know if he's tier two, but again, like you know, depending on who you ask, like somebody told me he's Benjamin St. Juice to a T. Like 
Interesting. Because he's, he's also, I don't know, I don't know if there's a typo, but it says safety next to his name, but he's on the no, corner list. No, so he's six, um, he's six, he has 34-inch arms, he's 6'3", he's 205 pounds, he ran an elite 5'10'5", he ran an elite three-cone drill, and I think he ran a 4'4", and he jumped 44 inches or something redonk. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something that like, he, there's a little bit of hitch in his turn when he opens up, which shows up on tape, which gets me a little nervous because St. Juice didn't have that, but golly if you're betting on traits man like that's you know <laughs> like he's he's a physical tackler like you can tell he likes ball like so it, that's but yeah, yeah. good yeah go that's ahead. seven guys uh with ringo being the outlier riley moss iowa i think he's a tier three guy for me okay kelly from stanford jones from a&m stevenson from miami brown from ohio state any of those dudes are yeah those are probably officially tier in three. tier three, tier three yeah. okay so we're at but you uh, garrett you williams from syracuse you didn't, eh, even, eh. you didn't even talk about like the kid from Miami or the kid, uh, you know, the other uh, kid from Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah. Was he in there? Did you uh, I thought I mentioned him. You, okay. Um, yeah. So like, so basically like seven to 10 guys in yeah. tier two, uh, DJ Turner from Michigan, the kid who ran the fastest yeah. 40 at the combine. Apparently I, um, now the rumor is going to go in the first round. So we'll see. I, gotta, go. I haven't watched him yet, but. And then the other thing to consider too on DBs, uh, is does a guy like Brian branch enter your tier sure. one conversation? Yeah. Uh, at 16, even though he's not a corner, but like can play nickel as we mm -hmm. talked about last week and you just go, Hey, he's a football player. And, and as we said, uh, I think, I think I said this with you, although I might've said this on the radio show to someone last week, like he's the type of player that the Ravens take. And then you're just like, ah, oh, yeah. of course, yeah, of course, they he's going to be awesome. And like, <laughs> what would happen? What would happen if the commanders took that player? Right. Where everyone just goes wow they took the great football player they, they don't know exactly where he's gonna play but then he'll wind up being everywhere and being awesome yeah that's i mean that's what they did last year with the ravens literally with kyle hamilton mm -hmm. uh but the commanders could certainly use that guy um and to have two of those guys because you got curl um and you can play either of them in the post either of them at the buffalo like there's there's real value in that yeah and i think it's also interesting like how people i think aren't as high aren't as high on him coming out of the draft because he didn't have like this crazy athletic profile you know you know what i'm saying so like he might slide a little bit just because of this kind of not elite explosive metrics but there's a guy where like skaronski like witherspoon the tape is just so good that i think you still bet on him to be a good football player in the nfl so yeah does he fit in there like that's a great question but yeah so the point is still valid there's like maybe two guys in tier one there's seven to 10 guys in tier two that are all probably starting caliber players, quite frankly. And so I think you say to yourself, like, doesn't it sound the more like we talk about it, trading back out of 16 seems like the right move. If those top two tackles, if the top two yeah. uh, corners aren't going to be there. A hundred percent. And I think it just depends on how I'm going to pull up a mock draft in a second, because I want to play this game out real quick before we go. Um, but like, for instance, for branch, like, He's production. The NFL uh, does like a score breakdown and they have production, athleticism, and then a total score. Mm -hmm. um, and they list Branch for the purposes of this as a corner. Mm -hmm. He had a 96 production score. Yeah, he's good. Like out he's of 100, excellent. He's, he's a good um, tackler. Best, best amongst all corners. And then he has 67 athletic score, which ranks 27th. Well, he's not a true outside corner. Yeah. So like a guy who runs a 4.58 with a, by the way, a 1.56 10-yard split, which is, that means he, good. he's like, his acceleration is there. It just top end is not 34 and a half inch verticals. Like Man. fine. Yeah. 10, 10, five broads, like solid. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Um, it's like the explosive yeah. numbers aren't there. But again, if you were to play him exclusively at safety or at nickel, like I think you feel pretty good about it. Like think about it, yeah. Kyle Hamilton ran like a four, seven last year at his pro. Day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, obviously you can be successful when you're put in a good situation to be successful and I think he's got way better feet and way better instincts than Kyle ever than Kyle Hamilton ever showed on tape. So, like, I think he's fine. But again, like, you're going to see people say that he hasn't met threshold numbers, threshold for 40, threshold for 510, 5, mm. threshold for vertical, for playing safety or nickel, and they're going to pass on him. And that's what teams do. And it's a silly thing to do. But you have those threshold things because you're basically playing, you're, you're, you know, you're doing the analytic thing. You're, you're playing, you're, 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 you're playing percentages, so to speak. Definitely. So just for, for instance, for kicks and giggles. Yeah. Um, I pulled up Dame Brugler's mock because he put one out today. Mm -hmm. Um, he's got Witherspoon falling to 16. 
Um, so I guess if that's Sick. the case, you just you just stay put, uh, and and you you take based it. on based like on Branch my goes based on yeah. my evaluation. I have no insight on what the team's doing. Let me just be perfectly clear. This is me watching film, me watching the combine, just to be yep. perfectly clear. Yep, Branch Branch goes fifteen. You know, part of the reason uh, we we get Witherspoon falling is he's got the Eagles taking Bijan Robinson. Um, ah. You know, so going top fifteen running back. Um, Nolan Smith, the edge out of Georgia is a name that you haven't seen a ton going in top 15. Um, but like he goes, so like if the edge guys start going, Lucas Van Ness, he's yeah. got, uh, going he's, nine. he's been, he's been, I don't, I'm not that high on Lucas Van Ness. Uh, but he, he's been consistently a top 10 guy. Nolan is new. Cause he ran a four, three, nine at the combine and his explosive measurements were insane. And that makes sense. Cause I actually like his tape a lot, but it's like, he's a weird guy. Cause it's like, where does he fit? Is he you know, Asan Reddick basically, or is he, um, you know, a, a name and edge rusher that's small that never was productive. So I think he's got more Hassan Reddick to his game. I think he can be elite. Uh, I don't know if he gets that high because of the size concerns, but um, that seems like a knee jerk reaction to combine. So again, like I don't think Wizard Witherspoon, I think Philly would take Witherspoon over Bijan Robinson based yeah, on draft that, philosophy. Totally. Especially if they lose um, Bradbury. Correct. Um, which is very likely just from financial reasons, but just again, to play this out, yeah. mm -hmm. Porter goes 17. You got, can't see the D tackle out of uh, Pittsburgh. Who's got a lot of Aaron Donald vibes in part because he went to Pittsburgh. So everyone is lazy and makes that comparison, but like smaller guy, short arms, but unblockable. Um, going as a, as a, so let's, let's, let me just talk about him real quick as a pass rusher. He's unblockable on first yeah. down versus the run. Dude has a yes. hard time. So, but yeah. like, if if he goes to a spot like, like Philly would be perfect room. Go to Philly. Yeah. You're a third down pass rusher. You're gonna light up these guards. They're gonna see nothing like you before. But we've got, um, yeah. you know, and we can get, we can get more into some sorry, of these guys, yeah, sorry, sorry, you know, sorry. tomorrow. But just like to play out the scenario, like Bucks take Miles Murphy who somehow falls to 19. Then you get some of the wide receivers. You have Smith, uh, Smith and Jigba. Uh, you have Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Zay Flowers. And then, like, 23, he's got Minnesota taking Deontay Banks. Uh, Darnell Washington goes at 24. Addison at 25. But, like, so 23 potential spot for one of your guys to go if you're looking at corner O-line. And then you have the run on offensive linemen starting at 28. Anton Harrison. Um, you have Darnell Wright going to Philly at 30. Um, Dewan Jones going uh, to Kansas City with the last pick of the first yeah. round. So, like, if you can trade back into the early 20s, you are – easily getting whoever you one want. of those tier two guys yeah. and i think that's kind of the point that we'll wrap with is like that trade back if your tier one guys are gone you are so good in tier two if if you can find a trade partner Correct. and that could be the the tough part because if you're the team that why if everybody's got basically the same grades and there's no tier one guys left no one that anyone wants to trade up for you're just stuck. Yes. And that's that's the hard part is they're going to be right on that line. They need someone who someone else really likes yeah. that they don't need to fall. And whether that's one of the receivers, um, which is possible, I guess, because there's not any receivers in the top 15, which is weird and doesn't typically happen. Uh, or kind whether it's kind of, know, one of the, kind of a down year. Yeah. One, or, or one of the edge guys, to me, those seem like the, the two positions that are most likely to, to fall in the commander's favor where they can then trade back. So to me, this was where this is why Anthony Richardson performing so well at the combine hurts the commanders because there was a mm -hmm. world where he would fall to 18 and Detroit would draft him. I think 18. Is that where Detroit's picking? Uh, I believe so. I'll yeah. Check so, so drafting and like they have golf, yeah. he'd be sit yeah, for yeah. a year. I think that's a perfect fit for him. And so I thought to myself, man, if anyone's going to trade up, 16 is the right spot for it because uh, because Detroit's right around the corner and Pittsburgh's probably not trading out of that spot if they want to get Joey Porter Jr. or whoever they want to get. So I was like, that's perfect because then you're going to have someone who's going to want to move up, trade back, it'd be perfect. But now he's done well. So we our pick, the commander's pick at 16, loses value over the next couple of weeks or until that kind of until the dust settles on the combine. So I think that to me is probably the most significant because like you mentioned, edge rusher, and I'm glad you did. But it is just like corner, it's insanely deep at edge rusher. Like we talked mm -hmm. about the kid from Northwestern, he's not even on that list. And I think he's one of the best guys in the in the group. You know, he's definitely a top five, six guy in my eyes. I kind of like him better than than Miles Murphy, but it's more like kind of your flavor of the day. They're probably in the same tier. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I'm a team, I'm not trading up for an edge rusher because I know that there's all these good guys later on that I could add value to my roster with. So it again, not having big receiver, Richardson performing well, it it makes it I think it's gonna be harder to trade back uh than it has been in years past. All it takes is one though. True. Like yep. you need one team who's convinced that there's another team <laughs> right. that also has Miles Murphy <laughs> in tier one. Yes, that's, that's yep. all you need. Yep. You're like, hey man, we got and look, if you can play them against each other, let's say there are two teams. That's even better. You can be, I don't know, who's, let's say, Tampa and Seattle. They're right. 19 and 20 right now, right? Um, or, you know, Seattle, Kansas City just Seattle's let... interesting. That's an interesting yeah, trade-up. Kansas City just let, let Frank Clark go, and they're at 31 or what, whatever. But let, let's just go 19 and 20, Tampa and Seattle. And you tell Tampa, like, hey, look, this is Seattle's offer. Oh. Beat it. And you call Seattle and be like, this is Tampa's offer. <laughs> Beat it. Give me your final offers. There's three minutes left on the clock. We got to do this. And and you go. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's I think, the interesting thing is, like, can you get a, the right player with the right teams behind you? And then you're set. Um, yeah. And then you're set. All right. We will be back tomorrow going in way more depth on a lot of these guys. Obviously, Logan chomping at the bit already. Um, he's got, got pages and pages of notes on quarterbacks, on – uh, obviously some of these edge guys, and then we'll get into some of the other positions. The commanders might attack later in the draft running back, for instance, uh, is one we'll probably get to. So plenty more combine reaction, plenty more draft stuff coming here on take command. If you like it, not only make sure are, that you're subscribed wherever you're watching, or listening right now, but like tell a friend, you have friends that have similar hobbies as you that are also interested. Be like, Hey, you got to listen to this podcast. Just go ahead and hit the share button right now. Be like, Hey, listen to this episode. Then they're going to get to this part. They can be like, oh, that's why you sent it to me. But now you're listening as the second friend, and you should send it to a third. All right. uh, We'll see you guys tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, as we record Thursday morning. Uh, It'll be in the audio feeds. uh, And we'll see you then. I'll take a minute.